0: All right, welcome in another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. And uh, let's get right to it, Bob. You had an an interesting day, uh, to say the least, on Tuesday. You were one of the people that was invited. I guess many uh, people uh, were invited and attended David Stern's memorial service, uh, Radio City uh, Music Hall in New York City. Uh, What was the scene like, Bob? I mean, it, it looked mammoth. It was Mammoth. It was at the Radio City Music Hall. I would estimate
1: that the capacity is two thousand plus uh, in that uh, in that uh, theater. And uh, they opened the do- it. Was, it was eleven o'clock. The doors were opened at nine thirty, and uh, it was it it filled up uh, really fairly quickly. Um, it was obviously a lot of who's who, but I'm not sure exactly all how many who's who because it was tough to get around. I, I think the VIPs were more and less, uh, like less upfront. I was about halfway to two thirds back sitting seated with my friends. And, uh, you know, I do know that, uh, Uh, well, for example, Kareem was there. They said, they they referenced Bill Russell and I'm, you know, he can't, and that's interesting because he, uh, traveling from Seattle, I would not necessarily have expected it. Uh, I saw Bill Walton, but I was way away from all these people. Yeah, a lot of predictable people. I'm sure a lot of owners were there, but I didn't. Once again, they were up front. But the prize for the best, the the longest trip definitely went to Yao Ming.
0: Wow. Yao Yao Ming came.
1: Yao was there. And, uh, yeah, he was there. Uh, there were, uh, it started with a video, which was uh, very nice. Uh, actually, there was, it actually started with uh, a jazz quartet playing very softly up on the stage and what we did, and one of the speakers turned out to be Wynton Marsalis. One of the, what I did not know was that David Stern had been a member of the board of jazz at Lincoln Center for 20 years. I did not know this. And uh, uh, Wynton Marsalis uh, provided music uh, before and after. With with this with the, you know with a group and um, he spoke and he spoke really eloquently. There were uh, I believe I can there were eight speakers, uh, a non-family and two family members, uh, Eric and Andrew, his two sons. Um, and the thing went for over two hours and twenty minutes. Uh, one of the speakers who had a little trouble getting off the stage, unfortunately, there's always somebody, right? Pat Riley, uh, really Riley had people squirming. It was just like. And people were starting to think I didn't plan to plan on spending my whole day here. I got to get back to work. Kind of stuff. <laughs> people were starting to leave. Uh, Riles was a little bit overbearing, I'm afraid, and uh, uh, you know, it, I it, to the point of it was. What were you thinking, Riles? Come on, it wasn't about you. Do you know that? And 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 I mean, really, it was. Uh, it, everybody else was was ranged from okay to sensational. So what did
0: what I don't understand? So it was Riley he was talking was all about himself. It
1: was endless number one. And, and, you know, to a point where three or four times you thought, well, it's going to wrap up here. It looked like he was getting, and then it was another, it was more. And then he had one little anecdote about playing basketball back in, uh, you know, Schenectady and, uh, and and getting a standing ovation from the class the next day. And this is when he got turned on to basketball. That had nothing to do with David Stern. <laughs> I couldn't fathom, you know? I mean, I'm just saying, Ross, come on stuff did have to do with david stern that's fine but it was a bit much and then yeah he was the last and now we're going to have and you you got to the sons so here's the the showstopper eric stern follows riley walks up to the podium and says and i quote pat riley just went so long i have to take a leak
0: (laughs) (laughs) and the face erupted because everybody's probably thinking the same thing right (laughs) Now, let me just say, uh,
1: some of the speakers were, uh, Magic Johnson was one of the few, in fact, the only one, I think, who spoke extemporaneously. Everyone else spoke from a prepared script, I believe. Now, the Sons, it was kind of half and half, I think, with the Sons. They had notes, you know, but Magic, no notes. Magic spoke from the heart so wonderfully about, David Stern, he called him my angel, my savior. He saved my life in 1991. At the time, he reached in when I was down and out and, you know, depressed. And, you know, the the, the uh, we all thought, you know, in those days, number one, uh, HIV diagnosis in 1991 meant you're going to be dead in five years. Literally, we figured that's, that's the longest you're going to live. That's what the that's what the common assumption and perception was of the time with the medical, uh, you know, the medical situation of, of HIV positive. Number one. But number two, you know, magic felt ostracized completely. Uh, uh, and David Stern in, said, you're playing in the All-Star game. Magic, okay, Irvin, always called him Irvin. Irvin, you're playing in the All Star game. That's it. Well, you know, and then of course he becomes the MVP legitimately at that All Star game. What a heartwarming story! But then he went on and said how David Stern just stepped in at a point in time and and and, and saved him. He was sensational. Uh, he almost broke down. Uh, Val Ackerman, the first president of the WNBA, a long, long-time employee of the league. She almost broke down. Um, some of to speak, uh, uh, and so it was good. Uh, but the sons were terrific. And let me just say, it, sum it up by saying this: If the intention of assembling this range of speakers was to portray a full scope of who David Stern was and how he act- acted and how he lived, including the warts. Including, <laughs> in, including the, the overbearing yeah, yeah. And, and dictatorial nature sometimes of the way he, he ran the league and the, and the office at times. Interspersed with, with, everyone would agree, a tremendous sense of humor. And, uh, and um, that was my big thing when He was so accessible to the media. You know. And he, you know, he, he sparred with a lot of guys. There were guys who didn't like him. Adrian Wodowski wrote a, a, a harsh uh, piece when he died, and he wasn't the only one, I guess. People in Seattle will never forgive him. And I, I would, if I had had one more last beer with David, I would have said, David, you screwed up in Seattle. That, that, that should not have happened. You should not have allowed that to happen the way it happened. Now, you know, nothing wrong with Oklahoma City. It's a wonderful addition to the league. But Seattle did not deserve to lose its team. All right. That's. And there are people. that. So anyway, if the whole point was to assemble a portrait of the man, they did it. Every, there was such a variety. Like of, a wide
0: range of emotions. A lot
1: overlapping. Look, some of them. We enforced, you know, some of the theories, uh, and uh, they 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 reinforced it. Uh, it was, a, but the portrait of the man was completely done by those two hours and fifteen minutes.
0: Uh, that's, great. that's great. That's great, and uh, yeah. it sounds like it was kind of everybody from all walks. Oh yeah, it was. There, so, right? Players, coaches, media. Oh, yeah,
1: you know. I mean, guys like you hadn't seen in a while, Tom McMillan. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Dudley. Yeah. Uh, M.L. Carr was there. Uh, uh, Buck Williams I had a nice chat with him one of my all-time favorite players, all right. Buck Williams. Uh, did you recognize
0: there. all these guys, Bob? Well, like, I recognized you
1: know, it was, I didn't recognize Dudley right off. I said, that's a big, tall, white guy. I know I should know him. It's, it's Chris Dudley. McMillan, no, I did recognize right away. He's, he's silver-haired now these days, by the way. But I recognized Tom McMillan. And Buck and I chatted. I did speak with Buck. Uh, it was hard to get around, you know. it, it just was. A, it, it's a theater, you know. You get in the middle, you got to go to it. Uh, and then there was a reception after, which I couldn't make because I had a commitment last night in Boston. So... Um, uh, but I'm told it was, it was really good, but it was befitting of the man. And what was really cool was on the marquee of the Radio City musical out front on the Sixth Avenue side, David J. Stern, you know, really? and it, the That's other cool. acts coming were around on this, but that, that was, that was cool. Uh, whatever, great. whoever had the idea of, you know, because you knew you were going to need something big, it wasn't going to be done. So yep. that was a tremendous choice. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think, it, I think it was very, very well done.
0: My day wasn't uh quite as entertaining as that but it, it was entertaining on uh, on Monday um oh yeah it you started with a trip remember I told you I was going to see Bronny James <laughs> yep. and some other good high school players out in Springfield Mass I ended up taking my daughter with me and uh, we had we we had a great uh, day and then I went to see the Lakers Celtics so yeah you know first part of it was made a little bit more entertaining than it should have been when a fan Threw something at Ronnie James. Ronnie James was right near me. Yeah, right near me on an inbounds in the second half, and all of a sudden you see something kind of get thrown down. I think it was like a, a I don't, know, one of those like cheese puffs. Somebody said it was nothing that could have hurt him. Okay, but, yeah, you know, bottom line is you're still throwing something at this kid now. Ronnie James, let me tell you, and, and I think we've discussed him a little bit before. This is the third third different occasion I have seen him uh, play. And he's a freshman right now. He comes off the bench for Sierra Canyon in, in California, and he's a really good player, but he's a piece. You wouldn't know he was LeBron's kid uh, unless you were told he's LeBron's kid. And that's why the place completely packed up, Bob. I have never seen uh, Springfield College, their gym, mm-hmm. uh, with, with, with more people in it. I mean, you could not move. And they were all there to see Bronny James. Yeah, and sure. again, you know, he, I don't, he didn't even score. He didn't score in the game, probably played 15 minutes. Um, but I love the way he carries himself. I love, I talked to his teammates after the game, and I don't think there was any BS with it. Uh, they were saying how much they enjoy having him on their team because he just wants to be a regular guy and a regular kid. And uh, and there's something about that, just kind of how he conducts himself, how he carries himself, uh, all of it that that is really, really impressive. Uh, anyway, so – we get to the, the arena, uh, to the, the garden, and that's when LeBron found out that somebody threw something at his kid. Because really, the ref stopped the game for about, I don't know, 20 seconds, called over a security guy. A security guy goes back trying to figure out who threw it. He can't. There's a row of like eight kids, Bob, that I, I think it was one of these eight kids. That's probably somewhere in the vicinity of nine to ten years of age. So I, I think it was probably one of them. The yeah. security guy couldn't figure out who it was. Nobody turned the kids in. So life went on. They finished the game. LeBron's team lost. Um, also, a, a side note, LeBron came in, and he wouldn't say if he took a, a plane or, or drove. Uh, he said he walked when I asked him. <laughs> but he came in without any sort of, of, of crew. There was no Nike contingent. There, it, it was like him, and he sat by himself pretty much he didn't have uh, underneath same, basket and watched the game that was a state state trooper, it a trooper huh <laughs> yeah nothing I mean there were some there were some police around there Listening
1: listen to you talk about the way uh yeah. Bronny is comporting himself uh it brings me up the subject which fits in very well I think you I'm sure saw the movie more than a game that was done about LeBron and his teammates at St. Vincent St. Mary when someone mm-hmm. wisely put a camera on that, that group when he was a sophomore and went through the whole travails of the junior year, not winning the state tournament and getting the revenge in the senior year, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What I took away from that movie, uh, Jeff, was that that LeBron James is a team guy through and through from the core back in those days that everyone knew he was the king. Okay. Or the king to be, he was the prince maybe then on his way to being the king. All right. But he was the man and you know, you knew he was the best player, but he didn't act that way. Imperially with his teammates and then when they won it when they got that revenge victory and they got that 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 uh, in, in his senior year what was left them completely not only was he happy to have won but he was happy to have won with that group some of whom he'd been playing with since fifth grade correct no and, doubt they were his, his that's buddies what, that's what mattered to him you know that was yes. these guys it's not just i won the state tournament we won this st- these guys we won uh, and so this is a if that's the case, we're talking chip off the old block, which is a very nice to hear.
0: Yeah, plays the right way, taught his kid how to play the right way. Uh he's not a man. And, and that's the one thing, the big difference when you look at Bronny and, and LeBron. Right. LeBron, at, LeBron at that age, even was more of a man. Yeah. Um this is an ordinary looking bat freshman. He's actually bigger and stronger for a freshman.
1: How tall is he exactly right now? I don't
0: know how tall he was, maybe six one or something like that you know he'll have a growth spurt and he'll he'll probably be six five or something like that but you know the interesting part so so the 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 Celtics go out and they kick the crap out of the Lakers (laughs) which nobody saw coming I mean but let's talk about this for a minute this was their best performance I think of the season because they had everybody clicking on all cylinders yeah and the Lakers came out like, crazy. I mean, they came out first couple minutes. They were terrific. It looked like it was going to be, on the other end, it was going to be another uh, Celtics loss and what was going on. But they kind of took the Lakers' punch. They got Anthony Davis in a foul trouble early. That was the key. He picked up two early fouls. And Frank Vogel even said after the game, probably should have got him back in quicker mm-hmm. um, with the two fouls because he he was not a factor at all. And, uh, and the game was kind of over. Um, you know, it really wasn't in question in the second half at all. And the Celtics just absolutely pulled away. But um, Celtics are good. They did. They look good. They got Jalen Brown was really good. Tatum was good. Kemba was good. Hayward was good. Smart did his thing. If you get everybody clicking in all cylinders, um, this Celtics team can probably beat anybody in the league. It just hasn't really happened because they haven't really played with, with everybody. That's part of it. No, it is part of it. And Cantor is another, he had a big game off the bench again. And uh, he's, he's been
1: really a good acquisition for them. No, they their their whole commentary after the game you know, and Walker said we should do this every night. Well, naturally you're not going to do that every night, but but they should be better than losing at home to the Pistons. Lose all right. Now when they lost to the Suns, I had neither Brown nor Walker. All right, a little bit of a and and the Suns are better than people think. You know, I think frankly, but um no, but you still shouldn't lose at home. And the Pistons game was wretched. They were awful that night. And. Uh, uh, you know, but so yeah, no, they they're not reliable yet, Jeff. You know what I'm saying? That that was a no, that was a, an right, indication right. of what they can be. And of course the consistency is gonna be the key. We know how good they can be. Fine. Okay, well that's good. That that was and reassuring. And um I, I let's see if they use that as, as a springboard uh, at all. You know, right away the next game up is the home against Memphis. We'll see what they have to offer. But uh um we know there's talent there. They had talent last year. It wasn't about talent. That's right, that's right. It was not about talent. It was about mixed chemistry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the playing the right way, playing with the okay. right attitude. Uh, you know, etc., etc. And and that's always the key. You know, am I saying something that people don't know? Is that that's always the key? It's not just about talent ever,
0: ever. So after the game, somebody asked LeBron, which which you kind of knew they would about what you know his thoughts were on on. Uh, somebody a fan throwing things at at his son and uh he was pretty kind of took the, you know like LeBron does matter of fact but you know said it's it's disrespectful you know basically kind of said I don't know how old the kids were but I don't know if they were taught by their parents or they figured it out themselves but that should never happen you know everything was fine um, then I went up to him kind of off the record afterwards and I said listen i Pretty sure the kids were probably in the 9, 10-year-old range. And, uh, and, and then I'm not going to say what he said exactly because it was off the record. But you could tell dad LeBron came out. Yeah. Dad LeBron came out. And, and I don't think people understand that is that LeBron, is a, he's a father in that situation. And he's going to try to protect his kid as much as he possibly can. And he was pissed. At that point, he was absolutely pissed off. Um, and and I don't blame them because let's face it, if somebody did that to our kid and they started throwing stuff, whether it's, you know, you got your, I got my daughter on media row there, right? Somebody sees me, they start throwing something at at my daughter. Yeah. I'm probably going to get up and, and, and defend her and say something. I can take it when somebody yells at me. And that's what LeBron was saying is like, you want to yell at him. That's fine. Now, what I told LeBron is. Because he, he he was talking to me about the fact that there are so many haters out there. And I said, just so you know, almost every, 99% of the people that were around me loved Bronny. Were cheering for him, were, were clapping, like loved him. The little, from the little kids, five, six-year-olds that were just waiting to get uh, a glimpse of Bronny. And then obviously when LeBron walked in, um, and I don't think he realized that. And sometimes I think they're out of touch because they want to focus on the haters, they want to focus on, um, you know, the chip on their shoulder that they can utilize. You know, Kevin Durant, right? The the people that don't like him, that's what they want to focus on, rather than the ones that do. And I, you know, again, most of that arena, in fact, pretty much everyone in that in that gym was was pro Bronny. You had one knucklehead kid that threw something at him.
1: Yeah, it was no, no, never good on any level, and unimaginable to me at a scholastic level. What a world sometimes, you know, we're going to get to that a little later. We had a little, what a world common, <laughs> a circumstance in, in uh, Lawrence, Kansas last night. But uh, I don't know, it, you ready for, you want to dive into that one? Are you ready for we'll,
0: that? We'll di- yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that, then I'll then I'll go back to actually my highlight of Monday. We haven't even gotten to I, my I, I highlight. I ask
1: Monday. you, yes, about something, yeah, so you had, what, what other takeaways did you get? Yes.
0: Bump, bump. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Let's take Kansas, Kansas State. And then we'll come back to my highlight. Okay. It'll be a kind of a tease within a pod. My highlight of Monday was a 30 minute conversation. I had not with LeBron, but with somebody else in the locker room. Okay. Uh, in the Lakers locker room that I couldn't even get out of there. Usually I, you know, you know how it is pregame. Yeah. Uh, you mill around, you want to try to see people. If you can, uh, get what you can yeah. off the record, yeah. uh, so I want to get to the Celtics locker room before the game. I never made it because of this conversation. Okay. But uh, let's talk Kansas, Kansas State. There was a melee, as Bill Self referred to it as, at the end of the game. Kansas is up 22 points. Uh, Silvio De DeSouza uh, gets the ball stolen from him um, by a, a Kansas State freshman, oh, Dewan Gordon. Gordon. He goes in for the layup. DeSouza's having nothing of the part. He fouls him then stands over him, uh, and that's when all hell broke loose, Bob. That's when there were punches thrown between the two sides. DeSouza eventually, after throwing punches, picks up a stool and has it over his head, ready to maybe do some damage. Fortunately for him, uh, the stool did not, and either he put it down. I think somebody, one of the coaches, kind of grabbed the stool away from him to some extent. The stool ended up uh, luckily not playing a role in this um, in, in this melee uh, everybody got off the bench so everybody was ejected and now we're kind of waiting for um, here today of what what the uh, penalties are going to be obviously DeSouza is going to get a long suspension as will uh, anybody else who was involved throwing punches you know I go back to the Crosstown shootout in 2001 between Xavier and Cincinnati Bob mm-hmm. and you know multiple guys got six four game suspensions I think shows is probably going to get even more than that because he picked up the stool and was throwing punches. Um, and and if people are calling for him to to, to be suspended and never play another game at Kansas, he's 22 years old. My take on this, he's already been suspended for a year and a half for his role, if you remember, oh, I know. in the NCAA but FBI investigation.
1: T.J. Gasnola uh, Association. And and uh, now for people who don't know, he's a, uh, uh, a native of Angola. And uh, as an IMG Academy in America, and then he got enmeshed in this thing and he claims all innocence. He probably didn't know what the hell was going on, I don't doubt. Exactly I, doubt
0: I don't think he had any idea what was I, going I, on, I, I with the and but uh,
1: and so he's aware of, of what suspensions mean. But um, the fact of the matter is, he's not a huge loss, right? He, he plays eight minutes a game. He's a sub. He's my eighth or ninth man, but I think about the ninth man. You know, it's uh, so he's two points, six points, and two point eight rebounds. That's what he provides. Kansas, they'll live without him. All right. So I looked at the upcoming schedule, and uh, Saturday got Tennessee at Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas. That's blah blah blah. The rematch, though, circle the calendar. Although we know that nothing's going to happen that day. By God, you know, but it is the 29th of February at at Manhattan, uh, is when the rematch is. Um, Gordon. Uh, more prominent player uh, is a freshman, six four guard. Uh, but he plays twenty minutes a game, twenty three minutes a game. He gives you seven yeah. points a game. Uh, you know, there it's not a catastrophic loss there either if so he gets suspended. Uh, but um, that's I, I, I'm not trying to make say that this is what's important. I'm just just trying to frame it. The whole thing. Here's the bad thing about it that we have to stress to people who haven't seen it, and it you, you it takes you six seconds to find it on YouTube. It's it's all over everywhere. Is they tumbled into the stands. That's yeah. the problem. Um, that yep. was the whole thing with the pal- malice at the palace. If that fight had been restricted to guys, you know, doing what they were doing in the middle of the court, it would have been one thing. Would would turn that into an uh, an epic event and, and a meaningful event in NBA history, quite frankly, is that they went into the stands. This one went into the stands, into the student section. People were involved. Uh, people could have gotten... You know, and big kids you know, this is this is why it's unforgivable this is why they have they have the hammer has to come down. they got into the stance
0: here's the other thing two two things okay number one is college basketball this year doesn't have a dominant team, doesn't have a dominant player didn't have a defining moment now unfortunately, I think it has its defining moment for now for now, which is this kid with a chair over his head yeah. ready to ready to do some damage um and I think there's been enough around college basketball in the last couple of years that it didn't need this. And Kansas, Bob, didn't need this because think of everything that's got on right now. Kansas is the program. If you're asking me a program that's going to get hit the hardest in the next year or so, I think it might be Kansas because, again, they've got some proof. They're trying to show that TJ Gasnola was a booster of Adidas, of Kansas who worked for Adidas and was giving money to DeSouza's guardian to Billy Preston's, um, mother, even though Preston never played a game. So I I think this is not only a black mark on college basketball when it doesn't really need it, uh, but also a black mark on Kansas. Remember they had the Snoop Dogg thing in the preseason during Midnight Madness too, when he came out and stripper poles and Mm. money out of gun, you know, fake money out of guns. Um, it it just, they didn't need this. And, And that's, where it hits college basketball at a time when it doesn't need it. And it certainly hits bill self in Kansas at a time when, when it doesn't need it.
1: It's a very good point. That's
0: a very good point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, we'll, we'll see, but the, it's an ugly sight. It's, a, it's how, a- how hard will you hit him? I mean, again, this isn't the NBA, Bob, this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I try to differentiate and, and that's where I'm going to be able to, to get into, um, uh, my conversation in the locker room, um, with the with the player, I, we'll, we'll go into it. But how hard would you hit him? Well, the bench is emptied. <laughs> NBA, you know that would be massive. You know, stuff. I don't
1: know how, if, if something like this. I'm asking you because I don't know. Is this yeah. going to be strictly a conference call, or it'll is, be a conference interesting-
0: with the school? Bill Bill Self said right away. He said, "Listen, I'm going to look <laughs> at the tape, and we will we will have punishments tomorrow." Like uh, he's not going to wait no, on this thing. You
1: know, I, you know, once again, I don't know what's going through his mind. I mean, when, it's just that D'Souza is, is is expedient. They don't need yeah. him. You know, I don't know. He might be great. What he did, though, you know, when you look and see what he did, you know, it's violating all propriety. You know, you don't, you know, the game's over. You don't steal that ball. This is the equivalent in football to, to going after somebody when they're taking the knee, the victory knee, you know, and he, he steals the ball. And then I block. It was kind of funny if he stopped just blocking the shot. You know what I mean? Would have been a commented. You know, it might have been, a, it would have been a footnote. Hey, just see what the kid of Kansas did. Oh no! Then standing over him and instigating the fight afterward, you know, which he did at that point. You know, was was I, uh, that's my call. Am I right
0: about that? I mean, by by the yeah, t- yeah, yeah, you can't just stand over him. You so, you yeah. know when you stand over a kid like that,
1: so Gordon's made a a, a violation of, of propriety, but he, sure. it, it's not a criminal act. Yep. It's yep. a it's a matter of basketball courtesy that you don't do what he did. All right, and you know, you and D'Souza uh, escalated it. no,
0: and know. Bruce put, Weber. Listen, Kansas State coach Bruce Weber said, listen, he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have done it. We told him not to press. He shouldn't have done it. He did. It. He was a freshman. And Bill Self said, look, listen, this was an embarrassment for the role we played in this whole thing. There will be consequences. Um, you know, both teams have fallen here. I think, again, nobody's really going to care that much about Kansas State nope. because of everything that 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 has happened, that has occurred within that Kansas program. And Kansas is Kansas. Kansas State's Kansas State. Um, Kansas is the number four team in the country. They've got a chance to to maybe win this whole thing this year with the cloud hanging over the program, Yeah, uh, where mm-hmm. Kansas State is is maybe an NIT team at this point. Yeah, right. Well, so,
1: you know, the fact that D'Souza's expedient, I don't know if that's going to factor into the conference, to say, well, we'll
0: get rid of him for the year, as some people are saying. I don't know. Hey, three, four, I don't know. I, I I'm bet not, he gets 10. I'm not I, good at this. I bet I'm, he gets 10 games, Bob. And, and I'm okay with that. I, I say anywhere from you know six to ten games. I'm okay. The old me might have said, "Hey, you know what? Be done for 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 the season." Um, but again, I really feel like this kid has had a tough go right. because he he missed a year and a half, and I really don't feel like he had any idea that his his guardian, his mentor, was taking money from Adidas. So in it's got to be hard. I, again, I want to be. I, I understand. He shouldn't have done it. Obviously, he shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have thrown punches. Shouldn't have picked up the chair, all that. But I'm trying to get into his head, too, of what he's had to deal with in the last couple of years, not being able to play. He came in as a a top 50 player who was going to be a huge piece. They actually had him enroll early in December of his freshman year, leave IMG, enroll early. They didn't play him that much that year, but they needed a big badly. Then he misses a year and a half. Now he comes back. He barely plays. So, you know, there's probably a lot of frustration with this kid, too, built up over the last couple of years for something, again, that I feel like he did not have any control over. So I'm trying to be um, somebody that, that, that again, can understand a 22-year-old and what he's gone through. And part of the reason I'm doing that right now, I had a conversation in the locker room before the Lakers game with DeMarcus Cousins, who I have hammered. For the first 10, I've seen DeMarcus play since he was 14 years old, when he would go after players, he would yell at refs, and I would consistently not see a a change in behavior, and and I took him to task for it. And about four years ago, I hammered him on on Mike and Mike. He had tweeted something. They had drafted the the Kings. He was with the Kings. They had drafted a foreign kid in the first round, and DeMarcus came out publicly on Twitter and crushed I remember that. um, them for drafting this kid right. and uh and i crushed nice. him on uh, mike and mike little did i know two days later i'd be walking out of a a steakhouse in las vegas and all of a sudden heard hey jeff and i looked over and it was demarcus <laughs> and i'm like oh no he, he's gonna kick my you know what here yeah. uh well it turned out that we we did we went at it and uh we've had several good conversations since but went in the locker room didn't even think he'd be there with the lakers in yeah, boston right. to be honest and, and he's there in the corner. Uh, so I went up and talked to him, ended up talking to him for about a half an hour. And, and his big kind of takeaway from it was, Hey, listen, you judged me when you didn't know me, you judge me based on a few, a few things, but you don't know me and you don't know if I change or not. You don't understand the, what I've gone through. And he, he explained to me a few situations, one of which was that I said, I said, you were knucklehead. He said, well, Why? So, well, what you tweeted out about the Kings was one example. He said, well, listen, I had dealt with having the, the the organization was on my shoulders for six years. I was the face of it. Everything that happened, I was responsible. I wanted them to put a better product around me. Yes, I was frustrated, but it wasn't like that was the first time I had voiced my opinion. I had done it internally. And yes, the frustration got out. I probably shouldn't have done it, but I did it. And, uh, you know, another one was, uh, a reporter that he went after in Sacramento he said one of the reasons why he kind of went after him verbally is because they uh, dug up some stuff about his younger brother who was trying to make the Kings at that point with his younger brother's legal troubles. And I said, I get that. Listen, if somebody goes after again, you know, somebody in my family, it, it, it's a different deal. So uh, we, we had a really good conversation in, in, in which he was really uh, trying to convey the point of like, don't judge all of us. Um, Especially in college, especially in college, but even when we're young, he said, "I wasn't a leader in Sacramento. I didn't know how to lead. I was 22 years old, and here I'm thrust into a position, and I didn't have anybody to really learn from." Hmm, Interesting. Well,
1: I mean, I'm, I've always been uh, enamored of his talent. I'll tell you that much. And at times, I remember two or three years ago, uh, I'm not exactly sure when there was something going on here in Boston, and uh, and. Cousins was, you know, always on the rumored block. Right. Uh, And people and everybody has their opinions. If you're a basketball fan, he's just one of those guys. You're right. He's he's a polarizing guy. He has been throughout his his NBA career. And because he has this enormous talent, yet he does such, you know, as you said, knucklehead things. I can remember some games where it looked like he wasn't even trying, you know, come in here. Well, I said, all right. If they want to get rid of him, I will pick him up at the airport. I would very happily import him into this. I, I said, I want to see. And the reason I said this, this is when they still had Pierce. Ah, it's when they still had Pierce and Gwinnett. And I said, you know, back then, I said, put him in an environment, just what you're talking about. Put him in an environment where he yes. can get, get a mentor no. and he can learn uh, how to act. And, and because no. you can't teach what he does. No. You can't teach his talent. And that's true, you know, and, and which is true of so many, but it was definitely true of him. I was on his side, I, you know, in that regard of get him in a right, better environment. That's the word I'm searching for. And let's yep. see what happens. And if he doesn't flourish there, then screw him. But, you know, let's get him out of there because that was a no man's land. Right. Sacramento for years. Just oh, complete, yeah.
0: No, they didn't do uh, many no, favors.
1: No. The, and it was like they were like the forgotten, you know,
0: relative. If you put DeMarcus Cousins in San Antonio with Tim Duncan. It it could have been a totally different ballgame. But you put him in the worst possible situation.
1: You know, it's interesting, these guys. I had a a very, not very, but a a similar circumstance back in the 80s with Isaiah. And, uh, you know, Isaiah had, he's as talented at that point as any small guard had ever been. He was absolutely, but he was a knucklehead at times, you know, and he did stupid things and he had just gotten through a Celtic game. He was, he, he played a game in which he wasn't, in my opinion, out to win the game as much as he was trying to embarrass Jerry Seesting for whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's do stuff. Like that. Anyway, wound up, uh, and then of course you remember the whole thing with, uh, Rodman and Larry and, and yep. Isaiah in the 87 playoffs. Yeah. We get to LA and uh, I had written certain things about him and anyway he could contact, contacts me he wants to have breakfast and we did and, he, and I mean, what he said to me was you know how I, old I was when I came in the league yeah I know yeah, I was 20. He, he had three years of college no. I said right I, he was 21 and you know and, and, and this and that and he, gets just, and he, he basically I would say bared his soul but he tried to no. pre, as a defense attorney present his case to me and I respected yes. the idea of it, you know, and, and, um, yeah, so there we go. You know, now, that was, nice. that's how I
0: was with, yeah, Bob, that's how I was with DeMarcus to have a conversation to understand where he's coming from and and me to do the same. Here, here's where I was coming from. I'd seen you go after refs. I had seen you go after players in high school, in AAU, in college, um, in, in the NBA. He said, well, you know, a- a- again, that's not me necessarily off the court. What, what I do on the court with the you know, technicals and the refs. I said, yeah, but it doesn't help. You already have a reputation. And, and his big thing now is I can't change my reputation. There's nothing I'm going to do no matter what. It's the negative. And this is what he said to me in Vegas. He said, how many Sacramento Kings games have you, have you watched? Really? And I said, you're right. I, I, see, I see on the highlights you going after refs and everything like that. He said, yeah, they're going to show the negative. And, and that is that is what we do a lot of the time. We focus on the negative rather than the positive. But I, I really uh, – he, he's changed my opinion of himself. I, I'm still not sure if if the Celtics uh, could have him on next year's team for low money because he still – he may not play this year. He may not play. Some people are thinking he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me. I asked him. I said, hey, you know, he's five months into the rehab right now. Um, I think there's a chance he could come back at the end of the year, but – Again, they've got bigs, right? Yeah, they got Dwight Howard.
1: Loaded, okay, they did a. Hey, I give Palenka a good job. Uh, you know, first of all, you know my least favorite player in the last fifteen years is 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 Dwight Howard. Right. And and he's given him a real lift. I give no. him full credit. No, he's, he's been
0: good, McGee.
1: He's playing the where he is at this stage in his career. He's doing what he ought to do in a place that can that can you know use him and and to the best advantage and and. Fine, Dwight. Good, because I think you were a big clown for ten years, you know. But now, I and, and they got McGee. They got a highlight yes. show. They got they got they got rim protectors. They got bigs, you know. I'll give them that. Uh, I'll definitely give them that. So I got a question for you. I'm gonna yeah. be, be, before we exit, yeah. shift gears completely. But this one I love. If someone, this is the old. If someone had told you get game right. If someone in the year two thousand had said to you that. On the twenty-second of January in two thousand and twenty, the two of the top four teams in the country would be West, uh, college would be West Coast teams, and you would have said, "Oh, well, of course, UCLA, you know, Arizona. and uh, and uh, I don't know Arizona, right. you know." Uh, isn't I mean, just take a deep breath. What we're talking about here with who those two teams are now? One of them we're used to them yeah. now, uh, and they long since exited the idea of mid major. They are the they are the 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 Power Plus
0: Conference, Power Five Conference,
1: plus one. They're the plus one, right? Yep, Gonzaga. Yeah, but yeah. The other one, the Aztecs. Where, is the, t- where did this come from?
0: Well, how about this? You want to go one, two, three? You go Baylor. <laughs> oh yeah, Gonzaga, yeah. San Diego State. That's that's like one, two, three right <laughs> now. That's college basketball this year. Um, I mean, Gonzaga, what view has done is is beyond remarkable. We've twenty-one for twenty-one.
1: It. Yeah, Everybody, what he's built there. San
0: Diego state, they've hit it right. I saw him play in person, uh new year's day and uh, they've done it with transfers. And last year they did it with transfers that didn't work chemistry wise. Now they've got this kid, Malachi Flynn came over from Washington state, lost a ton of games. He's taking care of the ball. He could score at all three levels. Um, little point guard is quick. And then they bring in like this other, this other guard, KJ Fagan, who lost a ton of games at Santa Clara, and he's a good piece, averaging, like, nine a game. And then they bring in another kid, Yanni Wetzel, from Vandy. They didn't win an SEC game yeah, last year, thing, and right? he's been great up front. So, like, these three kids that lost a ton of games have all come in, come together. And Brian Dutcher, who really wow. – I don't want to say was in the hot seat, because he wasn't in a hot seat, but a lot of people at San Diego State were wondering. He was Steve Fisher's right-hand man at Michigan and at San Diego State. And mm-hmm. Coach in Waiting, he got the job. A lot of people wondering, like, is he the right guy for the job – and now they're they're twenty and zero, um, and and absolutely uh, rolling through the Mountain West when obviously a lot of people thought Utah State was going to be the team that that was doing this because they had everybody yeah. back, and instead San Diego State has kind of shocked everybody.
1: Where is UCLA right now
0: with McCar? Absolutely horrible. Uh, Mick Cronin inherited not enough talent from Steve Alford. Number one. A lot of misevaluations. People will point to the fact that they have like eight top 100 players. I don't care. Like top 100 players mean nothing to me because the recruiting guys get it wrong as much as they get it right. And frankly, a lot of those players at UCLA either weren't good enough or too soft or whatnot. So Mick Cronin's there year one. It's going to take him time. And it'll be interesting to see if he can get the skilled guys and mesh him with the guys he had at Cincinnati to really get it going, which is tough, hard nosed, yeah, right, culture players. Right, right, you can do that. He'll get it going, but it's going to take a couple of years.
1: Meanwhile, um, I told you uh, I spent eight hours last Saturday. You know, eight hours in that easy chair. We got up for dinner, across the street. We had people. They got me out of the house. We literally went literally went fifteen steps from my house for dinner across nope. the
0: street.
1: Okay, nope. come back in. I love the Oregon-Washington game. I love that. The energy and the, the atmosphere jumped off the screen, you know, to me. You Sonny, like Peyton 3,
0: Pritchard? You like 3, Peyton 3, Pritchard's 3, Pritchard
1: shots? 3,000 miles away. Heck, all oh, heck of Edmonds, Edmonds Pavilion. now. 3,000 miles away. I, I I was like, oh, boy, i love to be in that place right now. And Washington played its ass off, and it wasn't good enough. They didn't have the finishing touch. And but. Then again, when you lose on not a twenty-eight foot shot, not a thirty foot shot, a Curry-esque thirty-five plus, right minimum, oh, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that was Steph Curry written all over it. Peyton, Peyton Pritchard to win that game and cap. I thought that was a terrific game. I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm going to see too many more. You know, too many more enjoyable games this year than just see that which, that which that was from start. And I told you who
0: I came out loving. You know, was Isaiah Stewart. Oh. As a- I love that. If Isaiah Stewart 10 years ago Would have been a high lottery pick Now these days I don't know But man he plays hard doesn't he Yeah he does
1: uh, that, that was. How about that scene Did you see it when he's standing at the foul line While they're having staring Oh there was a circumstance no. There was a circumstance um, I think it was in the overtime or, or regulation But he gets to the line But now there's a review Okay he doesn't go back to the huddle. He stands <laughs> by himself like this. Himself? Here's here's it by himself, like this, staring at the uh, rim. kill, staring at the room like this. I mean, Berserk, the, the color man, who I can't remember who it was, he said, I can't believe he's not going back to the huddle. He can't be standing there, you know. And he stood there and he made them both, you know. So I think he made them both. So, but that was a scene. Anyway, just a great day of college basketball. And um, oh, yeah. ended up. Every with, day oh, is
0: good. They're all good right now, Bob, because nobody's great. Yeah. So there's going to be upsets all over the place every Saturday. And here's
1: the other thing I was thinking, uh, Jeff, and you'll hear me. I'll be on the soapbox several times as we approach March. Okay. And you know, when people say, I don't care about the, the postseason, And so we, nothing, it doesn't matter. These games are meaningless. Look, you tell that to the 10,000 or plus people that were at that pavilion, they weren't enjoying themselves with the athletic competition with with the you know the rivalry Washington Oregon I'm sure is a rivalry yep. you know yep. Uh, yep. I'm sure and it's, I think I saw like the, it's a 200 and some game in their history you know it's a it's a rivalry it just annoys me that people have to make everything about playoffs and championships and not a, I I Enjoy. I am so big on the joy and re, and sanctity yep. of regular seasons That's in right. all sports all sports
0: Listen, you know where I'm going to be Saturday I'll be at one of the best environments <laughs> I will have seen in years I guarantee it. I'll be in Lubbock, Texas. Oh, watching Kentucky play Texas Tech. It is going to be an absolute madhouse. They travel. Texas Tech fans. They they've been uh, to New York the last couple of years to the Garden. Yeah, uh, they played Louisville earlier this year, and they played uh, who'd they lose to? Uh, Duke a year ago. They travel so well. So I'm going to do an all access thing no, with Chris good. Beard. Good. And uh, Chris Beard, one of the elite uh, coaches in the country. I mean, look at what he's done the last couple of years, going to the championship game last year at Texas Tech, Elite Eight the year before, and just the fact that he's got him in the top twenty-five right now is, is remarkable. So I'll have some great stuff coming out of that trip when I come back and we do this next week. I'll have some great stories, but I, so I, I can't, I can't finish the pod without giving you one story, and right. I don't know if this is off the record, on the record, but I'm going with on because I was in the locker room when it happened, talking right. to Marcus Cousins. So as I'm talking to DeMarcus, we're 15 minutes in. uh, He's in the corner uh, locker, a bigger locker in the corner where he can kind of sprawl out because he's not playing, he's still hurt, whatever. Rondo's locker is right next to his. Rondo, not a big fan of mine. Um, I've never been a huge fan of his. So he comes walking over. I don't know if he saw me or not. I don't know if it mattered to him who it was. He, He looked over at DeMarcus and he said, hey, man, like, You got to get up. I'm getting in there. And DeMarcus was like, no. And Rondo looks at him and and he's like, come on, man. Like, you got to get up. Like, that's my locker. DeMarcus points over and he goes, no, no, that's your locker. The one next to this. I'm staying right here. I'm talking right now. And, like, I'm worried legitimately I'm going to be in the middle of, like, a brawl here. There was no, like, smiling, no nothing. It was like a a test of wills. Who's going to back down? And you know, Rondo, pretty hard-headed. Obviously, DeMarcus is not only hard-headed, but a lot bigger and stronger. And they kept going back and forth on this for like, and other media people saw it. There were other media people that are kind of watching this transpire. And finally, uh, I think DeMarcus just got up. He just got up and walked over, and then we talked kind of. Um, in that that visitors locker room, kind of in the the entrance to the bathroom, almost. We finished <laughs> the the conversation for about another ten minutes, and then f- somebody from PR had to come over and say, "Like y- you guys are way over your time. You got to leave now." Uh, to me, but but and I explained to her. She was a Lakers PR woman, and I explained to her. I said, "Listen, uh, our background is such that uh, I think he enjoyed this as much as I did." Uh, but the Rondo Boogie Cousins thing. Man, all I could envision was like haymakers being thrown and <laughs> I'm in the middle of these two guys that hated me for years yeah. and I killed for years. And now, uh, of anybody, I'm protecting Boogie Cousins. Amazing. Before we leave, I have to take note that you know how I feel about the three-point shot.
1: Do you imagine how my heart was warmed when I found out the other night that James Harden had gone one for 17
0: on threes <laughs> in the <that> game? Uh, <laughs> you know, end of story. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're terrible lately. Now people are talking about Mike D'Antoni being fired again, potentially. Team this up. team can't win. It's incredible how like two weeks can completely change a season, whether it's NBA, whether it's college basketball, whoever it is, things change so damn, and, and we we overreact to all of it. Oh yeah, of course.
1: Yep, yeah, there are all marathons, and uh, you know, but, uh, but we're we're, we're news hungry. That's all I can say,
0: you know, yeah. that we are. <laughs> Listen, we covered a lot of ground today. We didn't, we didn't even go into as much detail as I would have liked to into some of the things we did, but we, we covered, I think the, the primary stories. Yeah. We'll have plenty next week. We'll talk about my trip to to Lubbock, Texas and spending some time with Chris Beard, uh, yeah. seeing my buddy, John Calipari. Yes. And uh, I'm sure you're going to have plenty on your plate. Say hi to John for me. And, uh, all right. So see you next week. You got it. There it is.